0: Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns Their prowess is potent and secretly stern As they speed through the finish, the flags go down The fans get up and they get out of town The arena is empty except for one man Still driving and striving as fast as he can The sun has gone down and the moon has come
1: up Welcome to Talking Giants presented by John Boy Media I'm your host Bobby Skinner here with my co-host Justin Penick It's playoff week, we've erased the Eagles game We've got a nice podcast. We talked with Entertainer for about 20 minutes and then NYG Daily Weiss for about 20 minutes. Uh, Some Daniel Jones talk in there, some Giants playoff talk. Justin, I'm hyped. I mean, this morning I really got myself hyped. Uh, In fact, I almost texted Julian about like, hey, when are we getting that playoff hype video? Because I kind of need it in my veins right now. Justin, how are you? Yeah, man, we're getting close. We're getting close. Counting down the days.
2: Uh, You know, this is a pretty long week that's approaching and it's even going to be a long weekend getting to Sunday too. So I'm pumped. Uh, NYG daily, uh, Weiss and Chris, the uh, they, they joined us. We, we had some good giants conversations and, you know, part of the reason why we're bringing them on is to get hype to recognize how far that we've come this year. And you know, this year ain't over just yet. Let's do it on Sunday. Let's win some games.
1: Let's win some games has never meant more. Uh, I, I am now, like, I, I need a win, Justin. I'm going to be devastated if, if the Giants don't pull this out. Um, I just, I really feel, I know we're going to talk about it on our preview pod. I really feel like the Giants, everything's coming together for them at the right time. They're starting to put the offense more in Daniel Jones' hands, which will help Saquon Barkley be more efficient. Uh, you know, everyone's getting healthy, you know, crossing our fingers on Adoria Jackson uh, when we see the practice reports on Wednesday and Thursday. But... I I don't know, man. It just feels like we got a quarterback we trust. We got a pass rush that could, you know, could be deadly, and I'm just excited for it.
2: Yeah, coaching, players, you know, things are kind of clicking, uh clicking on all all cylinders right now. And every single Giants fan, you know, should be excited. And I think that's the the Christmas Eve game tells you that. I, I started rewatching certain moments of that Christmas Eve game today and I was literally, I was in front of people, you know, at the John boy media office. And I was like hitting my desk over just how frustrating parts of that game was. And including, remember that Azizo Ojalary sack where he like came over the top of Kirk cousins, swatted that ball, got a really good fucking swat at that ball. Kirk cousins doesn't fumble yet. I rewatched certain parts of the Packers and Vikings game. There was an interior defensive lineman that gets a similar swipe on Kirk cousins. And of course, he fumbles there. So just it's it's a few of those things, man, where the Vikings have gotten lucky in some moments this year. You know, there's a few of those things that we're going to need to for us, you know, for the Giants to win, we need some of those things to go right. Kirk Cousins needs to fumble that ball. When there's a ball on the ground, the Giants got to recover. When there's a pass deflection that goes into the air, these guys got to come down with that interception. When you have an interception in your hands, you got to freaking catch the ball. So, you know, we'll obviously we'll break it down more in the preview pod, but I'm just, I'm just getting this feeling that In the playoffs. Not only does everybody kind of have to be perfect, but you kind of need some of these things to fall in your favor too. Remember, remember Super Bowl forty six. I think there was a huge fumble, huge like Victor Cruz fumble that the Giants wind up recovering, and that game could be totally different. So, yeah, need some things to
1: go right. Some news before we kick it to Entainer. Mike Kafka. uh, They request the Carolina Panthers requested to interview him. Did you have a like a like oh no type of moment?
2: No, I don't think he's getting hired this this offseason.
1: One, I don't think so, too. And honestly, I would. Wink Martindale is the one who would worry me much more because at the end of the day, this like Mike Kafka. It's kind of a weird situation where an offensive coordinator is hired to call plays and he's not installing his playbook. Like the first thing he did when he was hired by the Giants, it's like, okay, you have to learn the verbiage. You have to learn this Buffalo playbook. You know, you have the Shea Tierney, the Bobby Johnson, and then Brian Dable. Like it's, 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 it's the Buffalo playbook or the Brian Dable playbook and Kafka's calling the play. So I didn't like have that panic. If Wink was getting interviewed, I'd have a little panic in my heart. Um, But, but obviously we want to keep Mike Kafka around.
2: Yeah. The giants, the giants have an offensive coach, you know, and at the end of the day, um, if we were to lose Wink Martindale, like you said, that would be more worry of, Oh, well, you know, well what does our offensive coach do now to have run the defense and Jordan Ronan brought up an interesting, interesting point in our, in our live stream. About You know, I I asked him about, you know, how does he how does he evaluate and how does he look at Brian Dable's job as head coach so far this year in terms of how much how much he's involved in in the defense and special teams, basically just everything that he's involved with outside of the offense. And he said, you know, basically, you know, Dable's involved with major personnel decisions, but he does let Wink Martindale run the defense because there is just so much other stuff that there's so much other things that go into being. A head coach, so I thought that was actually a pretty good point on Jordan Ronan, and you know I I think we all kind of think and we all want that head coach that's involved in every single thing and every single play and every single decision. But you know he does put a lot on Wink Martindale's plate, and at the end of the day, if Mike Kafka is the one that does leave, I do think I don't know Mike Kafka that well. I trust Brian
1: um, Dables to get a good offensive coordinator in here.
2: Yeah, but also I don't I don't know if Mike Kafka is going to be a good head coach. He just became OC and he's still super young. Um.
1: So, we'll see. Uh, this episode, we're going to kick it to Entertaina. I, f- I want to say we're not going to, like, advertise the watch party because it sold out. I want our listeners to know, though, that I do truly feel bad. Because there's people who wanted to go and or needed one more ticket for their fourth friend or whatever to go. Um, I do feel bad, but I next event we'll figure out. Maybe we'll get a bigger venue or something. Um, but... Like I I I actually went to Bill and I actually didn't even tell Justin this because I knew Justin would be like, "No, we can't do this." I tried to add more tickets to it because I wanted to help some people out, no, and we, we couldn't do it. So, so this is this is actually the first Justin's hearing of it, because uh, I wanted to help out some people that dm me. But if if but if you can't make it for some reason, let us know and we can try our best to you know get those tickets in somebody else's hands.
2: That's right. All right, and I just got this from Jordan Schultz two minutes ago. The Texans have requested to interview Mike Kafka um, for their head coaching vacancy.
1: Okay, Uh, from Jordan Schultz? From Jordan
2: Schultz and – no, Ian Rappaport three minutes ago. So Ian Rappaport beat him.
1: Okay. Sorry, Jordan. I'm going to tweet this. Julian, you are listening. Please graphic it for Instagram. Wow, doing it live. You get to hear it. The Texans have requested to interview Giants OC Mike Kafka. Mike Kafka for their head coach coaching. I think, let's see, Her Ian report, Poor
2: rap sheet, the report by Ian Rappaport. You think? You think he? You think the parents were thinking about that when they named him? or when they had the last name? You think they were thinking about that? holding the baby in their arms. This guy's going to be a reporter.
1: Let me find an image of Mike Kafka. Here's one with Daniel Jones. That should get some. Wow.
2: He talks to Daniel Jones.
1: I saw one of our one of our favorite listeners, Mark Reynolds, tweet at Mike Kafka. He's like, hey, they don't allow NFTs in North Carolina.
2: Mm, tough. I,
1: I hear they also don't allow them in Houston. Yep. All right. Tweets up julian Graphic. all right here's entertainer our good friend entertainer chris
3: come on pay attention
1: in there let's go we got a beautiful day work play fast play fast
3: whoa ah
1: all right we now welcome on to the show our good friend chris the entertainer chris man i am pumped 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 for these playoffs and i know you are too
0: Oh, dude, uh, super excited. It's been forever. Uh, it's 2016. Since I, I started on YouTube in 2018, we haven't sniffed the playoffs. So this is our first playoff game since I've been covering the team, talking about the team. Um, didn't think it would take this long. We're not used to this as Giants fans, but we're here. I'm excited. Um, and I think we've got a really good opportunity, but I'm excited to be on with you guys. Of course, I've met you guys several times in person, went to the Giants game this year, hung out with Justin a few times. Of course, Bobby, we went to training camp this year. So yeah. Um, Really excited, man. Really excited for the playoffs and to talk Giants football with you guys.
1: I, I told Justin he'd get the first question, and I know he's going to be mad. I, I'm taking the first one. What I love is we never covered playoffs, so you have all the Giants fans, like the casual Giants fans coming out of the woodwork, you know? Oh, um, dude, and- you,
0: I, I'm going to tell you right now, and, and I don't mean to cut up your question, but I'm going to tell you right now, if the New York Giants win a Super Bowl, and I'm not saying we're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but even if we go on like a, an extended playoff run and then we have an aggressive offseason next year – all of a sudden, you're going to see, like, 50 new Giants content creators pop up. Everybody's going to be a Giants fan. That's just the way it works. Well, We're and here's be- what
1: I love is, like, the like the celebrity, like, fans, like, you know, who aren't, like, in, living and dying. Like, when people are like, this celebrity is a huge Giants fan. I was like, does he follow me and Atena NYG daily? Like, I don't know how big of a Giants fan is he. Uh, <laughs> but there was someone who followed me. I noticed he, he told me. I told him I'd bring it up. Hunter Church. He's on the American bobsled team, which is the only Winter Olympic thing. And so whenever someone follows me, I never DM them. And I'm like, I appreciate the follow. It was the first time I was like, dude, appreciate the follow. I was like, I love watching the bobsled. It's the only Winter Olympic sport that's like must watch. He's like, yeah. He's like, you guys an entertainer are my go-to. I'm like, oh, okay. So he actually
0: is a diehard Giants fan. So I wanted to bring that up. That's awesome, man. Th- thank you, Hunter. Man, I appreciate the support. And I do like bobsled too. That's one of like the two or three winter Olympic events that I could watch.
1: Yeah, like it, it, I,
0: I don't watch many of them, but that's one of them.
1: Like we we got to get like Hunter. We got to get a talking giant sticker on on the on the th- on the car. I'm sure they'll allow the next- that. For the next one <laughs> yeah 100 some type of you know talk the first thing you do when they ask you like talking giants versus the world or, or something like that <laughs> but you know we got a lot of time for the winter olympics we got playoffs to talk about now we got we got we got playoffs to talk about
2: chris we're obviously like you know obviously really excited for this game you know we went toe-to-toe with the vikings on christmas eve you know first things first thing i kind of want to ask you about is our Are we getting too confident? Are we getting too cocky over the Vikings? Now I know Vikings fans, I know you know, I've you know, we've listened to some uh some some Vikings, you know, people talk about and now they're they're cocky and they're confident that they can beat the Giants again, too. But us as Giants fans, are we getting a little too confident and cocky?
0: Yeah. Uh yes, we are probably, but at the end of the day, it's the playoffs. I'm excited and I have legitimate reasons why I think we're gonna win this game. Now, would I be shocked at all if we lose it? No. I, I mean, listen, the Giants and the Vikings, both these teams play close games. I think it's gonna be a game that comes down to the wire. Who knows though, right? Because we have a team that's never played in the playoffs. So it's it's very hard to predict for this team because you know, you think back to Eli, his first playoff game, he got clobbered. Um, this is Jones's first playoff game. It's Table's first playoff game. It's pretty much everybody on this team's first playoff game outside of a guy like Landon Collins, Jahad Ward, but the core guys. None of these guys really have any playoff experience, so we'll see if that plays a factor or not. But on paper, I think we match up pretty well with them, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout the podcast. And I think the most important thing when it comes to the playoffs is how you play going in. Are you going in hot? And right now, I think the Giants are playing the best football they've played all year. I know the record may not say that, but the way we played over our last four games, I think that's we've looked as good as we've looked all year. So uh, I I think we're playing our best football. The question is, is our best going to be enough?
1: Yeah, like, you know, we we said it all throughout the year. Like even like when the Giants were on that, you know, they beat the Jags, they're 6 and 1. We're like, at some point you're going to need some dropback passing for this stuff to continue, right? Like how how does this offense continue success? Well, they've went to that the last few games and that's when we've seen the most out of Daniel Jones. And I don't we don't need to have some big like Daniel Jones contract, but I want to know what your thoughts are cuz I go into this playoff game yeah. and it's like what player am I excited to watch? Like I'm not, I'm not nervous. I'm sure the nervousness will kick in once the kickoff happens. But I'm like, I'm not nervous for Daniel Jones in this playoff. Like, I'm excited. Like, I want to see what eight does in the playoffs because I kind of think, even if the Giants don't pull off a win, I I feel like we're gonna
0: come away and be like, man, eight at least eight showed up. Yeah, I mean, listen, eight has showed up pretty much every game this year. I mean, some games he's obviously looked better in, than others. He had, you know, he had one, you know, the, uh, the Lions game, he, he didn't play that great, but but we kind of got away from the run in that game and we fell behind. He threw two picks. That was probably his worst game of the year. Um, and he had, you know, he had a couple of bad throws here and there throughout the year, but for the most part, he's been the most consistent player on this team outside of, I guess, Andrew Thomas, who had that one bad game with the flu. But outside of that, he's been incredible. Um, I'm not really worried about Jones. I guess in the back of your head, you're a little bit nervous because it's his first playoff game uh, as a quarterback and who knows what to expect, I guess, but, I think he's going to show up, um, and I think we're going to win the game. And and like Justin said, I'm probably way too cocky, but I think we're going to win this game. And I think where we're going to win this game is actually on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think our defensive line, that's our biggest advantage in this game. Our interior defensive line going up against their interior offensive line. They got a third string center in there. Their backup right tackle, I think, is playing. So we should be able to take advantage of that with our pass rush. Um, And I think we're going to be able to create some turnovers against this Minnesota team. That's where I think we're going to win this game is on actually the defensive side of the football.
2: So Bobby, I want to, I want to throw this out here. I know this is really preview pod stuff, but this, this is the main thing that's really, that's really on my brain. We've seen Wink Martindale operate a lot from, you know, a too high, you know, with a lot of too high safeties versus, you know, when he had Xavier McKinney, when he had a Dory Jackson towards the kind of that first half of the season, he was going with a lot of single high safeties, you know, blitzing bringing guys from left and right. So. Chris, I mean, I'll, 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 at least I'll throw this to you. Do you do you still feel like this is a game where the Giants can just trust and rely on that front four, or is this a game where maybe you want to still be a little bit more conservative by doubling Justin Jefferson, even if Adoree Jackson's in the lineup? You know, obviously you can have a mix of aggression in certain yeah. situations and and being conservative. But I mean, overall, do you trust the front four, or do you try and generate some some pressure? Where do you think Wink's going to uh, rely on this weekend?
0: Listen, we know, Wink, he's always going to blitz, at least in some capacity. Certain games, he's going to blitz more than others. I don't think this is going to be one of his blitz-happy games. Uh, he's going to blitz in certain instances. He's going to try to create some deception and confusion. Maybe he only sends four, but he sends two linebackers, and he drops two guys back in coverage. Who knows? He's going to try to create confusion, but I don't think it's going to be one of those games where Wink blitzes 40 45% of the time, which is kind of what we average this year, at least according to Pro Football Reference. Um... I don't think it's going to be one of those games because of what you just said. I think they're going to try to double Justin Jefferson and I'm sure Minnesota is going to move him around. They're going to put him in the slot. They're going to try to take advantage of Darnay Holmes. Um, But that's what I think we'll do. I think we're going to try to get uh, pressure only sending four guys. And I actually think we're going to be able to do it uh, going up against their offensive line. But to combat that, I think Minnesota, one, I think they're going to run the ball more than they did the first time around. I think they're going to give the ball to cook. And I think they're going to use a lot of wide receiver screens. You think about that play where they set up the game winning field goal. They're going to try to take advantage of what they think Wink's going to do by blitzing, by getting the ball out quick wide receiver screens. And I worry about TJ Hawkinson a whole lot. The first time around, I think he had 11 catches. We all know we struggle in terms of guarding the tight end so that I actually might worry more about him than Jefferson. Cause I think we're going to double Jefferson. Hawkinson might be the guy I actually worry about more in the passing game in terms of doing damage against the giants in this game.
1: Yeah. And, and, what you know is like the, with the Giants, good coaching. Like, yeah, they have great coaching. The Vikings have good coaches too, especially on the offensive side with Kevin O'Connell. Maybe not so much on the defense, but Kevin O'Connell, like he's going to see what the Giants defense did this and, and adjust well, just like we expect the Giants uh, to do. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting. Here's a question I got because, like you said, I, there's a lot of matchups I'm excited about too. Like, yeah, sure. is he, he, Christian Darisol is, is, is ascending to a great left tackle. I think Aziz Ojalar is a good matchup for him. And then they're on their back at right tackle, Kayvon Cuddy. And then, you know, Dex should dominate. So I think we could have some success versus their front. Um, who, outside of Daniel Jones, if the Giants win, who do you think is going to be the player that's getting, like, he's he's the Monday morning talk? Saquon. With, like like at, after the
0: commit. Okay, go ahead. I think it's Saquon. Um, one, I think Jones is going to have a good game, by the way, because th- this Minnesota def- off defense is not very good. Um, and the first time around, I think Justin disagreed with me. I think he, he mentioned it on Twitter when I said it, the, and not to say I wasn't thrilled with the way that the passing game looked the first time around. I absolutely was, and it was the first game that the New York Giants went out there and threw the hell out of the football. I think we threw it 42 times. We opened up the offense. I like to see it. I would have liked a little bit more balance in that game. I would have liked to try to use Barkley a little bit more in that game. I think they do in this game. I think they're going to use Barkley a bit more in this game. And I think Dable's been preserving Barkley for this game. He only had like 13 carries our last contest. He sat out this previous week. And that last game, even though the stats may have not said it, I think he only had 59 yards on the ground. You saw Barkley making plays with very little assistance. He was slithering into small holes. He had that burst. I think Barkley is going to have a massive game. I I think he's going to be the focal point of the offense in this game. I think, and the other thing you noticed over the last four or five weeks, we started to try to utilize him more in the passing game. I think Barkley's going to have a big game on Sunday.
2: Which, Chris, that's actually like my, like the, and I think that we had, I love this conversation that we had online because the rebuttal to they didn't use Saquon Barkley enough. You know, he had 14 carries, he had eight catches. And I think, yeah, they used him in the passing game. Most of those catches catches of the season. Were those swing passes were those swing passes kind of coming out of the backfield where basically i view those swing passes as an extension of the running game plus what would you rather have would you rather a handoff off the middle where you have how many defenders right in your face yeah. with no separation or would you rather have a swing pass closer to the sideline no you're absolutely with, right you're getting and, at the and, line and of scrimmage you have all this yards after the catch and the nearest defender to you is about 10 yards away so that's where i loved and and hopefully Minnesota, if if they don't adjust from a couple of weeks ago, hopefully that will still kind of be wide open. If they want to bring a linebacker up, uh, you know, kind of a blitz up the middle, Daniel Jones can look at this saying, I'm not going to take a hit. I'm not going to take a sack here. Saquon Barkley is, you know, was a swing there on the sidelines and boom, that's a guy that you want the ball in his hands where there's a open field and there's some space. God, yeah, they- I'm so
1: fired up right now because uh, <laughs> this is some of my preview pod talking points. Mike, get Saquon involved in the receiving game. And you saw those swing passes. It was the most catches he had on the season. You don't think the Minnesota Vikings are going to game plan for Saquon Barkley? So I agree with you, Justin. Guess what? Build off of what you do well. Let's show some swing pass. Let's run some angle routes. Let's show outside. Bang. Get Saquon because they're going to try and have the end to cover him. Like there's so much like just know that. Hey, hey, they saw that too. They saw that too, and they're going to game plan for that. So be ready for their game plan and zig off their zack. Got him. 100%. You guys are getting me shit. fired
0: up right now. You guys are getting me fired. But I'm going to tell you what we need to see. And I noticed it, and I saw people talk about it after the fact that I got home. I went to the Colts game. Obviously, I you know, hung out with Justin and everybody else. The one thing I really liked in that game, they started to bring back the multi back sets, right? They started to use Barkley. And I don't think I've seen this before all year with an orbit motion, and that started to kind of create some deception with the defense. I want to see more of that in this game. If you recall the pass to Bellinger, that was set up due to the defense focusing on Saquon Barker with that orbit motion. They used Breida a bit in the running game. I want to see more of that, too. I want to see some multi-back sets in this game.
1: Yeah, I, I really think this coach like this coaching staff is going to like you got I mean they know they know better than we do where it's like all right you played them 3 weeks ago they are going to have game plans for the stuff you did well. So how are you going to build off of that? How are you going to break off some tendencies? Um and I I just think it's there. I think the Vikings the Vikings are a defense where they're not going to kill you with Jimmy's and Joe's where like it doesn't matter. Like obviously Zedaria, Zedaria Smith scares the crap out of I me. Mean, they put him all over the place. Yeah. It's hard to game plan for that guy. Um, But I just think there's enough there. I think there's enough on the bone for the Giants coaching staff to chew on and build off of. I'm with you. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I I wasn't expecting to get into this nitty-gritty stuff, and now I'm fired up because it's like <laughs> oh, the preview it. pod on Thursday, I'm just going to
0: explode. I should I have built off the Daniel Jones conversation. You started with the Daniel Jones talk, and then I went to the defense. I'm excited for Jones too, though. I think Jones is going to have a big game. I think Jones has looked the best he's ever looked. Um, and you've cut ca- the last two weeks. You've kind of seen almost an identical play by Daniel Jones. Everybody talks about his pocket awareness. Both of his touchdown throws. I think this pass one was to Isaiah Hodgins, and then he had. An, I forgot who it was to the the previous week. It might have Richie James. It was Richie James. He stepped up near the goal line. He stepped up, felt the pressure, rolled out, bought his wide receiver time. His wide receiver worked off the route. And that's something we have not seen from Daniel Jones, at least consistently since he's been the quarterback of the New York Giants. The last two weeks you've seen that, not to mention the two-point conversion, similar fashion. He bought more time for his wide receiver to get open. So you've that to me, like little things like that, you know, everybody's going to look at the passing stats. Little things like that is what has really stood out to me with Jones this year. Yeah,
1: and we said uh, about a month ago on a mailbag podcast, saying like and people took this the wrong way we're like i don't think daniel jones has improved on much but i think he's just finally has good coaching you know and so it's it's letting him shine more but that is the one area where it's like okay but where is the area improvement is like you said improvising in the pocket like he got better at his pocket manipulation in 2021 like he had one of the best sack to pressure rates in the nfl i think seventh where this year he's added on top of you know avoiding the sack even though you have pressure is making plays, whether it's running, you know, it's been his best year rushing. And then, like you said, making those throws, uh, making those throws off of it too, and not just tucking your head and, and going. So, yeah, I think that's been his biggest area of improvement uh, in year
0: four. And, and I think that's the X factor in this game, by the way, and um, every game going forward from an offensive standpoint is going to be Daniel Jones's legs. I, I Because in the playoffs, listen – you, you put it on the line. So, you know, I think, I think during the regular season, you pick and choose your spots as a team in terms of when you want to use Daniel Jones' legs. You, you do what you got to do. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Daniel Jones runs for over 100 yards if they, have to, if they have to go that route in order to be able to gain yards offensively. So his legs could be a major weapon in this football game too.
2: Yeah, and I like how the coaching staff too has given him the freedom to, hey, if there's an open space, You know, instead of throwing the ball away or holding onto the ball and just trying to force the ball in there for you know into a receiver, scramble. I mean, scrambling a quarterback scramble when they drop back to pass. I've I've said it a a lot of times before. But if you're a new listener, hello, my name's Justin. I talk about stats. You know, (laughs) uh, when you when you drop, but a quarterback drops drops back to pass and they choose to scramble. It's the most efficient play in football. Now that doesn't mean that you should just game plan do that all the time. But the reason why I think it works so well is because it's not designed. That's the thing that a defense isn't necessarily preparing for when a quarterback drops back to pass the expectation that the ball is going to come out of that quarterback's hands. And when it doesn't, especially when you have routes that are going down the field and an offense is attempting to stretch the field, even if you don't want to throw it deep that pulls all those secondary players back and pulls everybody back. And then therefore there's room for Daniel Jones to run. There's room for Daniel Jones to scramble. There was not a quarterback running back duo that was more explosive this year with more 10 plus yard runs that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Like both of those guys were like the top 10, top 15 in the national football league and, and all, and all people, all players in the NFL with 10 plus yard runs. So, wow. Um, I didn't know that stat. That's a yeah, good stat. Yeah. Going to need him to come
1: through. Bobby, you have, you have some other, you
2: have some other stats too, that you looked at like yards per carry, stuff like that. Right.
1: Well, just, you just total rushing yards, quarterback, running back duo. They were second to Jalen Hurts and Miles Sander uh, by seven. Also something I was going back through it. Um, they didn't run any design Daniel Jones runs in that first Vikings game, which I think there's going to be some opportunities to do there. Like they're not, you know, read options is one of those things where it's like, you know, it's, it's like, oh, okay, they got, this team got burnt by a mixture prepare, And I know they'll see that versus the Colts, but I think that could be something. I,
0: I got a good stat for you guys. Maybe you guys saw it when I posted it on Twitter. I just randomly saw it. Cause I'm looking at the red zone stats. Cause obviously I know the offense this year has been, tremendously improved inside the 20. We're seventh in the league in terms of red zone efficiency, scoring a touchdown 64% of the time. I looked at Daniel Jones' stats from within the red zone last year in comparison to this year. The touchdowns we know about. He's got 11 touchdowns. uh, I think it's 12 touchdowns passing, one interception. That one interception came week one against the Titans, Um, and he's got seven rushing touchdowns. So he's got 19 total touchdowns. I think all those came from within the red zone. Maybe one or two didn't. Um, But the thing that really stood out to me when I was looking at the stats year over year, his completion percentage, and I'm not a huge completion percentage guy because I think that's kind of a skewed stat, check down, so on and so forth could help that stat. But with the, when you're in the red zone, when things are condensed, I think it's a little bit more appropriate to look at that if you could see a major discrepancy yeah. year, year over year. Last year, his completion percentage inside the 20 was 38%. My jaw almost dropped mm. when I read it. This year, 64%. He's third in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, and we and it showed up to scoring in the red zone too. It's not just check down. Like, like you said, they are the number seven red zone offense in the NFL this season going from uh 32nd and 31st, the last two seasons. So
2: we're uh, taking I, a pissing contest with stats right now. And I, love it.
1: I know uh, we're getting nitty gritty like, is...
2: stats. I'm having fun. Listen, listen you here, here, you know, uh, Chris, you, you want to talk about Saquon Barkley being an X factor too. And you know, you're, you're a fan it might be of a giant ball. factor. I might be saving that for Friday. Oh, might be saving that for Friday. Um, but, uh, I'm going to, I gotta finish off with another staff because I actually we we have a we have a researcher we just hired a, somebody who does football research for at, at John Boy Media it does some. Basic I just stuff found that too. out too, Chris. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> his name's Dalton. Dalton Feely. He, he he's in some of the he's in some of the Blitzball videos. Too. Oh,
0: I think I is he the guy on Twitter? Um, Doug. Oh no no, his name's Doug. No, no, no that's Doug not Ana- Doug Analytics. No,
1: Doug Analytics. I met him at our tailgate. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm an engineering." I was like, "Oh, I wanted to see if maybe you work for us, but you have like a sick job, so no, never it's mind." Like, yeah, you yeah. have a very <laughs> sick job. No, but uh, Dalton,
2: Dalton does great stuff. And um, I-, I told him, you know, just for just for shits and gigs, you know, let let me see where your brains at, uh, for this for this Giants Vikings game. Um, and I I want to talk about this stat right here because I have to finish off the stat. Let me hear it. Giants have the highest rushing yards per attempt over the last three games in the National Football League: six yards per attempt. So wow, yours obviously here's my, Jones has a lot to do with that. My theory. My theory, Chris. You know how the age old the age old adage is the run sets up the pass. Yeah. Is the pass not setting up the run? Of course. Yet? The pass, pass sets up, up the run. run.
0: One helps the other. I mean, you you, 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 you you always want to have as balanced of attack as you could possibly right. have because right. that's gonna make you unpredictable. I'm gonna give you another stat. You got me talking oh, stats. No. Well, uh, i, I got going I, back and and up here. I got a stat match, like I'm gonna kill
1: said. the Vikings on Sunday.
0: chance (laughs) the new a a big reason why I think the New York Giants personally at at least specifically in the first half of the year why we've been as successful as we have been this year has been the top the time of possession we all said we all knew that they were limiting mistakes so on and so forth I looked and a lot of times time of possession could be just as dependent on the defense as it is the offense because the defense gets three and outs they get off the field It, it allows your offense to possess the ball more but this is strictly just an offensive stat the New York Giants this year on average, possessed the ball, two minutes and 55 seconds of drive. Mm. That is the highest they have had since 2008. They ranked seventh in the National Football League in that category. So almost three minutes of drive. 2008, they possessed the three minutes of drive. Last year, by comparison, I think it was two minutes and 12 seconds. Maybe it was 2.15. So it is a dramatic uptick in that department.
2: But do you want to hear something crazy? Yes, I do. The Giants have the third worst first half time of possession this season. In the NFL, but and probably the best in the second half, the
0: second best in the National Football League in the second half that's go that goes to coaching there you go that goes to go- and by the way, are you guys worried that we're going to lose Kafka because now there's a second team interviewing him
1: We actually talked about it in the beginning in this pod that while I definitely do not want to lose Kafka, this is the buff like Mike Kafka came to the Giants and had to learn the offense. It's a very weird situation where the play caller has to learn the offense, you know. Uh, instead of vice versa, where everyone else has to learn the play caller's offense. So I definitely do not want to lose him. I'll be sad if we lose him, but I won't be like panicked because it's still Brian Dable's offense, and I trust him to hire a good offensive coordinator. You lose a guy like Wink, there ain't, there's not very many Winks around the league. You know what I mean? Like you, you would hope maybe they could, you know, Drew Wilkins could, you know, he could boot in the defense coordinator, but we saw it with guys like James Betcher that being the protege of someone doesn't make you that guy, so...
0: Yeah, that's that's why I was so excited when we brought in Dable. And I didn't know much about Dable other than the fact that he was in Buffalo and he worked with Josh Allen. But when I saw the list of head coaches we were bringing in, he was the only offensive guy. And this is the exact scenario why I wanted to hire an offensive head coach. You're trying to mold Daniel Jones at the time. You're not sure if Jones is going to be the quarterback of the future. You may have to mold a rookie, but you want to have stability for that quarterback, something we haven't had in forever. And offensive coordinators come and go. Right? Mike, Mike, like we're seeing with Kafka, he might be gone after one year. Head coaches don't, if they do a good job. Most Giants head coaches have been gone after two years. But if Dable does a good job, that's why I thought we needed to hire an offensive coordinator for, uh, inter- as opposed to a defensive coordinator for the head coach. Because now, like you said, I'm not really too worried about it because... I think Dable has just as much, if not more say, uh, on this offense as opposed to Kafka. And I would guess they would probably hire Tierney, the quarterback coach, to be the OC. Maybe give, give him a, a bit of a jump up if, they, if uh, Kafka were to move on.
1: And then Davis Webb, QB coach. Yeah. Uh, we're going to finish it off with a couple things. Uh, what is your go-to – maybe you don't have one. Maybe this is like me and I'm just projecting – do you have like a go to pump up video, a song you listen to pregame that gets you like extra amp for a playoff game?
0: I'll tell you, and maybe I will watch it before the playoff game, and it's not giant related. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I watch the Strayhand thing. It doesn't right? have to be. It can
1: be a it can yeah. be a speech by Rocky for all you. I'm care. gonna
0: tell you the speech that I watch, and I used to watch I probably still do watch it before on every NFL season. I can't recall if I did it this year, but I used to watch it before every NFL season. Um I'm a big movie guy. Any given Sunday, Al Pacino, halftime speech. That that speech is so gritty. Um, that's like the type of speech. Like a lot of times when you watch a movie and you watch like a speech from a, it's corny. That, that one, one felt translates. authentic. That one was like, the, yeah, that was something that my high school coach would say to me in the locker room. So that was like that felt legitimate. And yeah, that one always resonates with me when I when I listen to it.
1: That one translates. We we it's become, we've actually been talking about it on the show the last few weeks because when we were talking about the like should Nick Gates start a center Ben Bredesen, we're like. I just ran with like the inches are all around us, and now <laughs> now it's been stuck in my head for for two weeks. So that's that's definitely a good one. I'm and I like Rudy
0: that. too. There's a couple of good speeches of Rudy, but for me, any given Sunday's the best. The best. I speech. like
1: that. That's a great answer. Thank you. <laughs>
0: what about you guys? What about you guys? What about Justin?
1: Hmm. That's one. The res- the the resiliency Super Bowl 42, and then pump up songs. One explosion the the closing to the Talking Giants podcast, uh, your hand in mine by Explosions in the Sky, um, and then the Al Pacino one too. Can't go wrong with that.
0: ACDC. Can't go wrong with that either. That's our kick-off song. ACDC.
1: Right? Um, yeah, like
2: the the Back in Black album and then Highway to Hell album. Like just just those those two
0: albums on shuffle. Listen, I love. I've never seen ACDC live. I'd love to see them live. Yeah awesome every one of their songs sound exactly the same but it's like it's like it's awesome. like see, i'm a huge tom cruise fan and everybody says all his movies are exactly the same i don't care i love them it's the same yeah. thing with acdc i can listen to any one of their songs and i love it i love yep. acdc
1: right on are we doing this or that justin nope okay
0: how much how how, how, how
1: long are we into this 20, I feel like 25 we're... minutes I, I guess that's that's good yeah, for now that's an interview chris obviously
0: people know where to find you but where can people find you Entertainer talking sports on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter. I'm usually obnoxious and I love to, love to get in debates on Twitter. I have a lot of fun, but love talking New York giants football, had a blast coming on. Looking forward to talking to you guys after we get a playoff win, but thank you guys for having me on. And um, yeah, let's get this win. I got, I got a giants real quick. I know you didn't ask me for, I'm going to say it anyway. I got 27, 23 giants. Um,
1: I love it. I love love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, You know what? Maybe we'll be doing this again next week. Let's let's, Let's see. Let's see how this happens. Let's win some games. Chris, entertaining. We appreciate you.
0: Hey, sure. You better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun.
1: All right. We welcome on to the program our good friend NYG Daily Weiss, the NYG Weekly Podcast. Weiss, we usually do Wednesday mailbag pods in season. But we're like, all right, let's, let's Let's turn our Wednesday pod into like let's get hyped. Let's let's not go into like Zadarius Smith lines up on the guard 20% of the time in this. Let's get hyped up on Wednesday. Um and who better to bring on than than why you're going to Minnesota? Are you I'm f- What 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 made you just be like, "All right, I'm I'm doing it."
3: Uh the enjoyment of the season. Um I've thoroughly enjoyed this season so much. Uh going to Indianapolis that I mean, excuse me, going to the Giants Colts game, experiencing that. Uh, I just felt like, you know, you've had so much fun, so much yelling in my basement watching these games and excitement and all that. Let me go. Let me go to Minnesota. And I really believe they're going to win this game. So nice stadium, heard Minneapolis, a nice city, winnable game, playoffs. What better time than now? Is Minneapolis a nice city, Bobby? Have you ever been to Minnesota? No. No. I just heard hey, it was Minneapolis a good, nice is, is
1: a decent, a decent for a big city. It's not that bad, but it's just I, I got, I got like a personal grudge against the entire state of Minnesota, to be mm. honest. Um, but, I, but I heard the stadium's nice. Um, uh, now I want to talk about Daniel Jones to start. Me and you have had conversations. Me and you kind of have. I've always like kind of given you like my unfiltered. Like, let's talk yeah. about Daniel Jones because like even sometimes it's even like more positive than I may. Uh, you know, let through on Twitter or or when it's negative. We've talked about him, you know, from last. Year, I mean we we're talking last year at the bye week to to now. You seem to be kind of all the way back in on Daniel Jones.
3: Absolutely. How can you not be all the way back in? Look, when the season started, right? Well, actually, when let's go back to when they hired Joe Shane Bryan Dibble. The the thought process was okay. There's there's stuck with daniel jones for another year because of his rookie contract and there was nobody in the draft worth taken so it's like you know we're just going to play out the season with daniel jones the roster is not good it's year one of the rebuild what was the term for it this is when they take the bullet whatever and you see what happens and you go from there and then you know the season started and everyone remembers week one and that sideline you know altercation or you know conversation you know whatever you want to call it between dayball and daniel jones and his interception and you're thinking to yourself okay this is not going to last right um but then i always go to this game that week three game on monday night against dallas where despite being pressured help me out bobby what 24 of 29 dropbacks or something Something crazy i think it was like the most
1: pressured like like most pressured highest pressure percentage like in a game or something like that
3: something like that Daniel Jones had the ball with the chance to go down the field and tie the game. And he made plays off script. And I was like, okay, this was a pretty impressive showing despite everything that went wrong. And then from then on, you just saw Daniel Jones look comfortable and comfortable and comfortable. And you fast forward. And then he had his moments. He had that moment in London where Saquon Barkley gets hurt and he leads that, you know, drive down the field. And I'm talking specifically Daniel right now. And then you, you, you have games, you know, later in the season that are that playoff implication games, that game against Washington, not a not a big statistical game, but the game plan was the game plan and Daniel Jones executed it and ultimately leading up to him leading the team to the playoffs. Um, that's that's what you want from a quarterback. Now you factor in the fact that he just didn't have weapons all season. Go back to training camp, then go to like week three, go to week nine, go to week 12, 13, then go to today and look at the receivers. At one point, David Sills was the wide receiver one, right? Where is he now? Darius Slayton in the offseason or in training camp was, you know, they were trying to trade him. Well, where is he now? Isaiah Hodgins was in Buffalo. So Daniel Jones has done everything you could ask for from him. And you would be, I mean, people just like to move the goalposts, but I'm not one of those people. He's checked all the boxes, realistically speaking. And at this point, I mean, why would you not want him back
2: so at this point with the with the vikings game coming up this weekend in your brain do you feel like he could take away progress that he's made this year in terms of your brain thinking you know you want him back next year maybe even some some years after but basically you want him back next year do you think this sunday against the vikings he can take away some of that or do you think you know especially if they're they come away with the win this Sunday against the Vikings, do you think more money, more years could be added to that? Do you think that's on the line this Sunday, or has he done enough to prove that he should be here no matter what?
3: The only thing Daniel Jones can do for himself right now is make more money. He cannot lose money. Uh, A lot of quarterbacks, even the great ones, struggled in their first playoff game, by the way, if you look at it historically. Um, And it took a couple of years or a second time before they won a playoff game. So there's nothing Daniel Jones can do this weekend that will make you say – I mean. God forbid, but if he gets, suffers an injury and you're talking about missing that's a different story. But in terms of on-field performance, there's absolutely nothing you can do. Daniel Jones should be and will be the Giants starting quarterback in 2023. He's earned that, and I, I really don't think it should even be a topic of discussion anymore, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: we, we've we talked twice. He has since week three, like you said, because it's funny enough that we started off 2-0 and and those were probably – Probably Daniel Jones' two worst two games of the season were those first two weeks of the season. Like, he left... Week two, he left all those yards on the field. Week one, he missed some plays. He had that horrible interception. And, you know, Saquon carried him in week one. And then week two, the defense, uh, you know, won that game versus the Panthers. Since then, he has been damn near perfect in these games. Like, damn near. There is two to three plays a game where you're like, you can either like, hey, he should have pulled the trigger on that or he missed the throw. You know, like... I don't think people watch quarterback play week in, week out. Because, I mean, no one really does for all the quarterbacks around the league. You watch your team. Like, you look at the best quarterbacks, man. They have they have a lot more than that, you know, per game. Even the great ones like Mahomes, you know. But he has been played, like, damn near perfect. Now, you had a good interaction with Brett Coleman, who does some stuff. And I respect him. And he had a take that was, um, you know, saying, like, you know, if you go and look at it, like you know, they've done. They've there's been a couple plays here and there where Daniel Jones could have taken some shots, and I agree. And that has been my only critique of Daniel Jones this year, where there is a couple plays where it's like, I feel like you should have pulled the trigger on this one. Like you, there could have been a big play here. And then I see in the replies someone say, "I think Derek Carr would do wonders for with this coaching staff," and he said, <laughs> "I agree." I'm like, "Oh my, are you serious?" Like, no, no, Derek Carrs wouldn't have done wonders for this. For what, And and again, the offense has gotten better the more they put it in his hands. Like, coming away from that tie game versus the commanders, we were saying, put this offense in his hands. He deserves it. He's done he's done more. And since then, you know, you've seen, like, you know, some of the better statistical games and just better games overall from Daniel Jones, where it's like they put more on his plate. And again... He's just with with wide receivers where now you can just the only thing they have really is consistency. Like with Hodges, right. James, and Slayton, you got a little bit of consistency there. Like you don't have any guys, and they haven't been a great and and they also haven't been a great handoff team. So, uh, yeah, like I Giants fans should be very happy about Daniel Jones right now. Should be thrilled if, if you. But there's if you live in the world of like, hey, you want the top a top five guy or no guy at all? Okay. But if you live in reality, like, you should be very happy with Daniel Jones' season this year.
3: But here's here's the thing that that, that gets me about that, Bobby, is, and, and I have this conversation all the time with people, right? Is every single time in the draft, people talk about, all they talk about is upside, upside. This guy has this upside. That guy has that upside. I'm like, okay, upside is great, but where is the floor? Because nine times out of ten, typically that quarterback that you talk about or somebody talks about with upside, 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 their career is more closer to their floor than their than them actually reaching their ceiling. So I look, in my opinion, there's five guys that are elite. Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, still think Aaron Rodgers is there, but we can have that debate. But after that, to me, everybody's the same. They're all relying on their supporting cast. They're all relying on their coaching staff. I can't sit here right now and definitively say, that Dak Prescott's a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, people talk about the numbers. He has close to 4,000 total yards uh, of offense, when you factor in the rushing yards and the passing yards. He didn't play last week, but if he did, he probably would have eclipsed 4,000 yards. Um, He has 25, 24 touchdowns. He has five interceptions and two fumbles, seven turnovers. And you look at his surroundings and what has changed. This is also his first year in the offense, by the way, too. There's always growing pains for a quarterback in their first year.
1: And to be operating at this flaw, it's one thing. Like, we knew this offense was going to make Daniel Jones look better coming into the year. We knew it. But our question was, how much better? To be basically since week three, um, we're operating this offense almost flawlessly minus Seattle. Like, that is something for, again, first year in the system.
3: And then the month of December, when they needed to make the playoffs, they needed to win games. What happened? Daniel Jones, here's the ball. Take us home and he did I, I truthfully speaking, like I think we spoke last year this time, and I was talking about you know the timeline with the quarterback and the rookie contract and what's the future of Daniel Jones. You you can't just continue to live off what your opinion of Daniel Jones was when he was drafted or after his second year or third year, you know you you have to be fair and realistically speaking he I, I don't I don't know what box he hasn't checked. Healthy all season, check. Yeah. Win big games, check. Um, make people around you better, check. How many receptions does Richie James have? How many- all 57. of his receivers <laughs>
1: ha- are are in the top percentile, <laughs> oh, like the, like top five, either first or top five in catch rate for their average death of target. Even Darius Slayton, people look at Darius Slayton, he's top, he's he's top five in uh and and catch rate for his average death of target. And you guys, guys you mentioned the month of December.
2: I think before this season, Daniel Jones, maybe had like five or six career games played in the month of December because he's been hurt and he, and he, and he hasn't been available. And that's really what sucked about last year too, is that, you know, the, they fire war criminal Jason Garrett. And then, you know, we get one healthy snap of Daniel Jones, you know, not that that Freddie Kitchens was not going to set that Freddie Kitchens offense wasn't going to set the world on fire, but still we were robbed of that opportunity to see Daniel Jones without Garrett. And luckily, you know, We've got to see it this year, and he's gotten better in the month of December when he's been when he's been healthy. So, Weiss, uh, maybe just well, we'll move away from the quarterback here. I think I think the quarterback performance is certainly part of this next question. But a random person asks you, and I mean, I'm sure you you know you have a you have a lot of random people, random followers, <laughs> random followers on Twitter, right? But a random person will ask you how the Giants went from the laughing stock of the NFL to one year later being in the playoffs what do you tell them went right
3: well ownership i think realized you know the way they were operating was not working they could not keep doing this they could not keep it in the family anymore it it was time for a change uh and it was time for wholesale changes and then once you do that that should be the easy decision for john mara based on what we've seen then it was about okay how do we hire the right person and kudos to john Mara. i think they in terms of their GM search, they it was a really good search. There was a lot of really good names and the same names that they interviewed last year. You're seeing in the cycle this year with some of the openings at GM. Um, you get the right guy. You let that general manager. I One of the things I, you know, during the Gettleman era, I just kept kept saying was you have to have philosophical alignment. Your front office and your head coach has to speak the same language. They both have to know what the state of the of the of the roster is. You can't have a general manager in a on a hot seat if you want to call it a hot seat, whatever. And a first year head coach trying to instill his philosophy on the team—you just can't have that. You can't have two separate guys on two separate timelines. They got—they finally did it right and got the, the a GM and a head coach on the right timeline. And then look at the results, mm. right? The the one thing I point to is. Look at the guys that they signed, those bargain bin free, bargain bin free agents, Fabian Moreau, uh Jalen Smith, um uh, uh Landon Collins coming in, uh the linebacker, Gerard Davis. I mean, these guys that they have picked, Isaiah Hodgins, right? These guys, they've picked too up many off in the eight. street. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you lose <laughs> track of them. And what has happened? there's a certain type of player that the coaching staff wants, the front office agrees they find it that player excels, right? Or it contributes at least. That's that that's what happens. That that's why it's so important that your general manager and your head coach be philosophically aligned. And then when you do a good job with your searches, you get a, quarter, a coach in here that, you know, knows how to get the best out of players and then you see guys like Daniel Jones and you see guys like Dexter Lawrence and you see guys like you know uh, Xavier McKinney before the injuries that, that sort of have their best career year and uh, you're, you're seeing that with the Giants
1: top moment from the year
3: has to be going for two week one mm. set the tone Nothing people forget
1: bigger. Chris Meyer caught that game winning that touchdown your, though. Boy, wow. your boy Chris Myrick. Um, glad, glad he's still part of the team I have this question and this goes into like this morning I was listening to like music and pump up speeches and the and the giant Super Bowl forty two resiliency speech like over and over again, I ended of tweeting it because I just kept on listening to it. I can convince myself this team's going to the Super Bowl. That's how hyped up I can get at moments. Do you have like a go to hype up song or like video or speech? Or like you know the you know the Rocky speech or do you do you have anything or you just kind of.
3: There's are you not, two. Are you not there's doing two that? images. I actually have images in my head, or moments. Um, do you guys remember when the giant? Well, of course, you guys remember when the Giants won that second Super Bowl, and Eli sort of was like tearing up a little bit. He was sort of wiping his eyes. Yeah, he was looking at. You oh that? yeah, it's, that, it's, that, it's, it, it's burned it's, in my head. It's that America's game, 2011. That end, the ending scene. I have that in the back of my head, uh, and then I have. Uh, the the Super Bowl 42, uh, I think it was the NFC championship game in Green Bay when Plexico Burris, not Plexco Burris, Amati Turner makes that one catch on the sideline uh, and signals for a first down. These sort of moments that I have in my head where I think back to where I was and I was like, man, we're not going to win this game or I can't believe we just won this game. I have moments like that, it's still images in my head like that, and that makes me believe. And then what I do is I compare it to moments in the season, going for two, that image of Dayball hugging Saquon and Sterling Mm -hmm. Shepard, right? Kayvon Thibodeau's strip sack, right? Stuff like that, that I just, I have images of that in my head and I just play through it all the time. Winning
2: in London, did that in 07. Yeah. The
1: bloody hand, the bloody hand, bloody of, hand. of Daniel Jones. Um, I love it, Bobby. How long? I... How, how far into this are we? Uh, about sixteen minutes. We got time.
2: All right. So uh, Weiss, maybe to finish off, but I wanna, I wanna introduce a segment into these interviews. Instead of just having an interview where we're talking about the Giants, Daniel Jones, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? We're gonna play a game called This or That. So, okay. got a couple questions for you. This or that? Hottie throwing up the double birds. Or Kavon Snow Angels, which which one? Do you, you can think?
1: use any of the twenty five times that Hottie's thrown up double birds. Yes.
3: Uh, um, it got to be the double birds. Oh, really? Yeah. that's it, uh, to
1: build off the. How emotional were you when Kenny Galladay caught the touchdown? Very. I'm serious. Like I was. I was. It made me feel warm inside. Like it was like a nice closure.
3: I I was taking a piss and I missed it.
1: Oh, dude, that is. I don't think there's a, a moment from the season, but you know
3: what? I got really pissed off at Darius Slay, and I typically don't like to do this, but what he did after the game, like I can't be the only one that found that to be really weird. Well, I like, don't
1: like Darius Slay. I think uh, one, his wife is is one of those people who goes and finds people. Like I, when I tweeted out big play Slay about Darius Slay, and she'll come and be like big play Slay. So I was like, fuck! I, finally, I just started replying to her, and then she blocked me. So I don't <laughs> well, like Darius. Slay. Well,
3: listen, I guess she gets it from her husband. Listen, it was a, it was great coverage by Darius Slay on Kenny Gallagher. Kenny Gallagher just made, made a great catch. And then he goes on Twitter after the game. And I really don't think he had his uniform off. Cause it was, it was a quick turnaround. He got to the mm-hmm. locker room picked up his phone, looked up, you know, that tweet that the giants saying they're releasing, uh, James Bradbury, uh, which by the way, I mean, we all know why, and, and even James Bradbury knows why. Uh, but for him to just sort of like gloat about that. It's like, are you that mentally weak? Like, is, I, I just found it to be really weird. You yeah. just won the NFC East. You locked up the number one seed. Typically, you know, players, they're filling themselves in the locker room. You go on Instagram Live. We saw the Giants do it. You have a good time. You're wearing your hat. You know, but you feeling nobody, like you need to
2: do that after you just beat the third string practice squad team of the New York Giants, where you allowed a touchdown to a guy who hasn't been able to do shit through the last 34 games. And then yeah. you're going to, lo and behold, that's going to be the thing I, you post. I right found that you. to be
3: weird. I found that to be weird. No, it is, My, it's,
2: instead of saying that we're NFC East champs, we got to buy, ha, yeah. ha, ha, look at the Eagles, it's thank you, Giants, for being ba- bad.
3: Ba- <laughs> Bobby, you just win, you just win the NFCs to lock up the number one seed. You go into the locker room. Are you looking up an old tweet, or are you celebrating with your teammates? You're probably looking up old tweets, but I might Justin, find an old tweet
1: of someone shit talking me. Not, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't. That's like if someone, you know, it was a weird uh, thing to do. It was so I, I, weird. I, here's something: is I went on an Eagles podcast in 2020,
3: uh-huh.
1: and they asked me like at the end, like, can you give a bold prediction? I'm like, oh, I'm not really a bold prediction guy, but I was like, you know what? I'll say Darius Slayton will win the battle versus Darius Slay in the big play Slay. They clipped the, just me saying that. And posted it out, and all these Eagles fans are like, "Look at this clown!" Da da da. So I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna remember that." And then you remember the second game, 2020. How did that game end? Darius Slay burning, De- or Darius Slayton burning Darius Slay, closing the game out on a big 40 yard catch up the sideline, and I went and responded to every single Eagles fan on that. Do, so I kind of do, I kinda do, do like feel it? that, but I I'm the people who, if people talk shit at me, I'm I'll just trust me. I'm gonna come back at you. So, um, but. Anyway, screw Darius Slay. Any more this or that, uh, Justin? I do. I have
2: have a few more. So, going to give you hypothetical playoffs scenarios here, Weiss. This or that, a Landon Collins pick six in the playoffs or a Kayvon strip sack and score in the playoffs. It's nostalgia versus the present right now.
3: Uh, A lot of people talking about the Giants moving the ball on on the Vikings uh, like they did two weeks ago. The Vikings' offensive line is beat up. And I do actually think they're. I'm very high on the Giants' defensive line as a whole, and and I think they, yeah, if they're healthy, which I think they're gonna be with Aziz Ojalary back, and if Aziz doesn't get hurt in the Minnesota game, who knows what happens? I do think they're going to get to Kirk Cousins. They're gonna have to, Um, and I think it's more likely you see a strip sack by Kayvon Thibodeau. You said, would you rather want though? Yeah, which one? Which
1: one
2: is like the Giants fan in you? What are you gonna get more? Kayvon. Kayvon. Yeah.
1: we want to K-Lon. look back at his career and talk about, like, you know, K-Lon. that was that was the moment. Yeah, Kayla. Right on. All right, this uh, isn't
2: necessarily a this or that, but Richie James, Darius Slayton, or Isaiah Hodgins. You get to keep one on the team next year, or one is going to start. Who would that be?
3: This is tough because um, it's between Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins. Wow. Really? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Isaiah Hodgins. I think there is, I really like Isaiah Hodgins a lot. Um, Darius Layton, it's been a fun four years, but I just don't trust his hands enough. Um, In the second half of that Colt game, he fumbled the ball. Remember that? And, you know, didn't end up, didn't a big deal, but he just makes plays like that, that have me scratching my head. Richie James actually has been a good slot receiver. Justin, you actually... Changed my opinion on that. When we were talking about it. You know, you say put the punt returning aside. Mm-hmm. He's been a good receiver. I'll see had a couple drops, but everybody drops the ball in the Giants. Um, but I think Isaiah Hodgins. I really do like Isaiah Hodgins. I think there's a real upside there. Like he could be the Giants' number two wide receiver next year.
1: Here's my thing with Hodgins is because he's brand new and just started playing. He gets treated like a rookie. He is. He is a third year player. And despite all of Slayton's downfalls, he's led the Giants receiving three or four years. Like, like which is kind of what, for a fifth-round rookie who missed basically all of training camp his rookie year too. And then in one of the other years that, uh, so his rookie year he misses all of training camp the first two weeks of the season leads the team in receiving. And then his fourth year, they didn't even want him. Like, they were tr- actively trying to get rid of him. Um and he leads the team in receiving. Here's the uh, only rebuttal to that. And now, Bobby, I, and I, I speed agree. speed always I, will translate, I, too.
2: I value Darius Slayton, but here's the only rebuttal to the whole Darius Slayton has led the team in receiving over, like, the last four years. Is that Darius Slayton is leading the team in receiving, maybe besides 2019, leading the, leading the team in receiving because Darius Slayton can provide X, Y, Z, or is it just by association that everybody else around him is so bad? That's <laughs> the question.
1: I mean, you got 12 games of Shep, at, you know, in 2020, yep. you know, yep. so I, I think there's that speed always matters. And Slayton's had big games this year and he's, and he's always gotten wide receiver one coverage except for last year. um. You know, which so Bobby, last year. I once think,
2: I think we would put it as like the power ranking of, I think you and I would have Hodgins like third. Like if we had to choose geez, one guy to bring back, me
1: I would have him second at Richie James. while well, oh. yeah, I've been happy with him. He is a sl- slot receivers kind of, Their production can be a little more scheme-related than them just being a really good receiver. I'm
2: bringing Richie James back, baby. Of course you are. He's number two, Slayton's one, and I would put Hodgins three. That's my
1: problem. All right, right, that's that's an interview uh, with our good friend Weiss, NYG Daily. What day are you flying out to Minnesota?
3: Sunday morning, coming back Monday morning. This is a business trip. I'm not going to the Mall of America. I'm not going to Mm. a Timberwolves game. I'm not doing any of that. Business Um, trip,
1: I like it. Ready to I'm, kill. Going, I'm going to do Minnesota. not let their fake niceness f- f- fool you. Do not be. Do not associate with. The, the, they are. They are not nice people. They are fake nice. So, like you said, just I'll keep that in like mind. Like you said, business trip. Where are you? Where are you sitting? Maybe we'll try and you know fake, find you on TV.
3: Uh V two. Uh, Anywhere actually, is it
1: going to be near LPG? Because that's how you get on TV. So like twenty rows behind LPG. Okay, so maybe we'll get a, a nice sh- uh, shot. Person,
3: the, person that I'm traveling with. Person that I'm traveling traveling with. Was not willing to cough up as much money as I was for tickets. But
1: yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, you're traveling to Minnesota for a playoff game. Like you you are are coughing up some serious dough. Uh Weiss, we appreciate you. Where can people find you?
3: Follow me, NYG Daily, everything else you can find there. Just hit a follow, tell your friends.
1: Appreciate um, you. All right, that was fun. I mean I'm I'm pumped up. I, I need it to be the preview pod. Then uh, I'll be up in New York. Yeah, we going. We are going to New York. We're going to burn that city. We're going to burn everything down, Justin. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you in a couple of days. Excited to see you. Bobby Skinner, you know, the uh,
2: we're going to go hard in the paint for for the preview pod. Um I, I kind of my I last really, 3 hours. I really even wanna go quarter by quarter. I mean, there there's, you know, th- uh, some some things that I've been learning about this Giants team is that, you know, it's not just a it's not just a, a, a you know, a whole four quarter effort. It's not just a whole game effort. You know, the giants perform a certain way in the first half, they perform a certain way in the second half. You obviously heard a little bit about that with Christie unattain about the time of possession thing. Uh, even the Vikings, the Vikings are a team uh, that perform a certain way in the second half. Both of these teams seem to be second half teams. So we're going to break it all down. Super pumped, super excited to see you. Uh, we'll have Danny King uh, as well. I think we'll all
1: hopefully be in person, fingers crossed. So excited. Yeah, we will be, we will be unless, my plane doesn't make it Uh, but it will okay it will okay um all right we appreciate you guys we'll be back friday with a preview pod we'll see you then until then let's go big blue.